It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kay Winnigal and I'm joined today by my co-host Natalie Bucknell. Hello Kay, hello listeners. And Michael Steindl. G'day everyone, great to be here and thanks for joining us again. Today we're going to be talking to Tristan Edis from Green Energy Markets to get an up-to-date analysis of what's happening in the renewable energy area in Australia. Tristan has 13 years' experience analysing energy and climate change policy issues and the associated markets, industries and technologies. He is one of Australia's most prominent expert commentators in the renewable energy industry and climate change mitigation policy. Hi Tristan, thanks for joining us. Tristan, firstly, can you tell us a little bit about green energy markets and what happens there? Yeah, so um, we're an uh, analysis and advisory firm that was established in uh, 2008 by an individual called Rick Brazali, who used to be the head of the um, industry association that re- represented renewable energy and energy efficiency that subsequently became the Clean Energy Council. And so we provide subscription reports to a number of uh, major energy companies, including a number of major renewable energy project developers and equipment suppliers, advising them on the the state of the um, the renewable energy large-scale market and also small-scale solar and also energy efficiency. Okay. That sounds like it's a fairly complex area. Well, I suppose it's just a natural extension of running an industry association that represented those those particular businesses. And you're, you're just trying to keep track of what's going on in, in the marketplace and, and ensure that people can make informed investment decisions around building new plants or, or setting up new businesses that are going to help roll out energy efficiency products like, say, LED lighting in um, uh, commercial offices is just one example. So we help um, businesses keep track of particularly the certificate markets, so the renewable energy certificate market that underpins the renewable energy target um, we spend a lot of time trying to track that particular market and like uh, uh, the prices of any kind of market, it, it responds to supply and demand and prices can go up and down and so businesses need to have an understanding of, of, of what's going on in the market and how we're tracking relative to government targets because that will affect the price of those certificates and that will affect how much money these people make if they build any new plants. So, Tristan, speaking of that market, can you give us an idea of where renewables are up to now in terms of the percentage of total energy generated and the number of large-scale renewable energy projects currently being installed around Australia? Yeah, so at the moment uh, we're just at the cusp of seeing a a large rise up in uh, renewable energy market share Um, and it hasn't started coming through yet because... What happened was we had, basically under Tony Abbott, uh, we had three years of everyone sort of sitting on their hands and doing nothing. 
and we're at about roughly, I'd say, 17% uh, renewable energy uh, in, in Australia. And that will change very quickly within the space of the next two years. Um, not as much as probably what's required, but it'll go up to, by about 2020, we'll have hit a, uh, roughly around 25%. This is of um, the electricity market that you're talking of, about? Of the electricity market, yes. yeah. Exclusively electricity. But within that, there are some more dramatic changes. So, for example, I was analysing the numbers for Queensland and once you look at all of the projects that are under construction there and are going to come through within the next uh, two, two years or so, they're going to move from 7% renewable energy in 2015 and then by 2020 they'll have reached 25% renewable energy. Mm. So some states are going through a more dramatic change than others, particularly those that haven't had a large amount of existing hydro. And Queensland's really the standout case there where because of the dramatic reductions in cost of large-scale solar, but also um, their household sectors, you know, punching on at a very strong rate. Um, that's why they're seeing such a dramatic change, whereas somewhere like New South Wales and um, Tasmania that have had large amounts of um, existing hydro, you won't see as dramatic a change in the market share of renewable energy. And plus, obviously, those states haven't seen as a dramatic a change in, in large-scale uh, solar installations. Just loosely, are you able to give us a, um, a proportion of, of solar, hydro and wind currently in Australia? Uh, look, the mix is roughly even between... Um, hydro and wind, uh, or at least will be relatively soon. And then, um, and so hydro sort of makes up, you know, know, between a a good year and a bad year, it's somewhere between, you know, 5 to 10% of Australia's electricity supply. um, And, you know, sort of averages out at about the the sort of 7%, 8% level. And then, um, and, and what's happened is wind has sort of come up and, and we'll be approaching that sort of level of around, um, Seven to eight percent, mm-hmm. um, and then what's happened is we're just seeing this really dramatic change occur with um, with solar coming up behind them and, and catching up, and so you you they're, they're sort of almost getting to a point of, of level pegging. Uh, I was looking at actually at the um, Australian Energy Market Operator's Own projections, and and just rooftop solar alone by twenty thirty will represent something around. Um, you know, 10% of Australia's electricity supply. Um, so, and that excludes obviously the large-scale solar farms. So, um, I think there's some there's some positive signs of progress. Um, the other thing that's worth keeping in mind for your listeners is that you know we went through this period really from about mid 2013 when it was evident to everyone that Tony Abbott was going to win the election, where everyone kind of down tools mm. and we stopped seeing new commitments. And then nothing really happened uh, for several years. And then it was almost like a, um, uh, a switch was thrown in about um, uh, 2016. You know, and it was, it was November 2016 was where the floodgates opened and we saw uh, large-scale commitment to wind farms and solar farms. And... Sorry about this little background trolley going on in the background. No, um, we're not getting too much of it, so keep going. Oh, okay, that's great. Um, and 
And it was really from November 2016 onwards that we saw this surge of, of commitments. And, 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 I, and I tallied them all up what happened last year over 2017. And Australia committed a larger amount of generating capacity in that year to construction than we have done um, uh, since 1980. Wow. And, 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 and that includes any kind of fuel type. So... We absolutely put the pedal to the metal in the space of one year. And what, what we've got now in the pipeline, either of, of, of committed to construction or, or a, large, uh, a contract, a long-term contract, so it's highly likely to proceed, is about 9,000 megawatts that, are, that have been um, come on stream really over um, uh, uh, since the time that Tony Abbott got deposed, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Well, we had a lot of ground to make up. We did. But, and, but what I think amazing about that is is how quickly it's happened, mm. that, that we were able to do this and, and, and do this switch, this, this turnaround, in the space of really about two years. Yeah, yeah, it's been fantastic, and that means there's been a lot of pent-up demand and a lot of capital wanting to go somewhere into the re- renewable sector because it's so achievable. Yeah, um, Tristan, the Green Energy Markets Renewable Energy Index showed that we've now enough projects either in construction or contracted to deliver 37,000 gigawatt hours per annum in 2021. And if we add this to the supply that will come from the Victorian and Queensland government tenders, then we can expect a little bit under 40,000 gigawatts yep. likely to be produced. Mm-hmm. Isn't that – that's incredible, isn't it, that, that – as you were just saying, the, the amount that's being generated so quickly. Yeah, and, and look, I think this should fill us with a lot of optimism about what we can do. The, you know, we've heard a lot of people um, over the years saying, oh, you know, renewable energy will never amount to anything. Um, oh, my goodness. And, and we certainly saw this over the period of, of Tony Abbott's um, period in office where they they wanted to cut back the renewable energy target, the large-scale renewable energy target, from 41,000 um, gigawatt hours to... Well, they, they wanted to flash it as much as they possibly mm. could. Mm. Um, they kind of landed on, oh, well, look, there's no way we could possibly reach 41,000. We need to we need to scale it back to, to 26,000. Then there was a, you know, a, a bunch of um, negotiations with Labor, and they landed on... Um, 33,000, and what's happened is, and and, and it's all been done on, oh, no, there's no way we could possibly scale this up. There's, you know, there's not enough, there's not enough wind farm sites and solar will never amount to anything and it's way too expensive. There's no way we can do this. And you just sit there going, guys, just look what we've done. Imagine what we could have achieved if we didn't muck around for the last three years um, uh, arguing about what we could and couldn't do. And um, and creating this incredible amount of doubt and uncertainty that that made investors run a million miles. Imagine if we didn't have that happening, what we could have achieved, yeah. um, and we had a more supportive and encouraging um, and government. And so, you know, basically within two years, we've we've, we've committed a huge amount of capacity, um, and we're taking states like Queensland from seven percent to twenty five percent renewable energy. Um, 
And so I think you, we're going to see this same debate as we go into the next federal election where we have a bunch of people saying, oh, there's no way we could possibly achieve 50% renewable energy by 2030. It's just completely impossible. There's no way we could do it. There's not enough wind farms, not enough solar farms. It would be impossible for us to construct that amount in this, that period of time. And, and the reality is we just need to keep up what we've just been doing. Absolutely. So you wrote recently, um, Tristan, in Renew Economy about the rooftop solar boom and yep. sort of discussing the question of, well, how long can this last? Yep. Uh, would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, look, so um, after t- mid-2012, um, we started to see uh, a large drop down in the amount of solar um, systems being installed. So the number of systems um, declined quite precipitously. Um, and the capacity, so the, the amount of kilowatts, didn't drop quite so fast, but certainly did drop away from mid-2012. And that was really when all the feed-in tariffs sort of dropped off and the... Um, uh, the, the size of the federal government um, rebate under um, the renewable energy target also dropped away. And so we saw this sort of slowing down. And then around 2015, 2016, we're like, oh, it's stabilised, stopped going down. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And we thought, oh, maybe it'll just keep on trucking along at kind of about 800 megawatts. But it did about uh, a gigawatt, 1,000 megawatts in 2012. And we thought, OK, it's declined to about 800 kilowatts. But that looks OK. Um, it'll probably just keep on going along and steadily at that. And then a a similar sort of time period around um, October, November 2016, we started seeing a surge in in solar installations. And and we thought, oh, yeah, well, maybe that's just a bunch of um, solar retailers trying to scare people that the rebate is going to be taken away from them because it was going to step down by um, a relatively modest amount um, in 2017, and we just thought, okay, well, maybe they're just, um, you know, there's a bit of marketing. Some effective going marketing, on. yes. But, yeah. but what happened was it just kept on going. And then so, 20- so, what's likely to happen, you know, on, ongoing? What, 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 are your, yeah, so, what are your magic predictions? Well, um, so, so it, it looks like this year we're going to do, we could quite possibly do about 1,500 megawatts for 2018. Um, and so that's substantially higher than anything we've done before. Um, but our, what, what we can see is what, what drove this surge was uh, increased media concern and reporting around electricity prices and electricity reliability. And people went, oh, I've got to take matters into my own hands. And then they, and it was the closure of Hazelwood. Then we saw a very large spike in wholesale electricity prices particularly in Victoria, but it also flowed through to to other states. And that was what we believe has been driving this surge in in solar uptake. So at some Um, point, does that new capacity then have the opposite impact on pricing? Yeah, that's right. So what's happening is contrary to all the things that we heard from Tony Abbott and and, and his sort of acolytes, is that uh, all of this solar that we're adding at rooftop level plus all the large-scale wind and solar that's also coming through is is going to depress power prices and and start and we're going to start seeing them go down and particularly when it's sunny is going to be the cheapest part of the day um, to to buy your electricity as it used to be in the middle of the night and it's going to move to in the middle of the days when it's going to be cheapest now unfortunately though what that means is 
uh, a lot of um, particularly larger businesses that have now started um, uh, installing rooftop solar will say, oh, look, you know, um, it's actually pretty cheap for me to buy electricity during the day, um, according to my, my retailer. Um, probably doesn't make as much sense as what I thought it would to install solar, and I, and I won't proceed. And so we think that this is really going to be the, the high point for, for rooftop solar this year, and it's going to start dropping away next year and the year after. Not by, you know, it's not going to drop out of the, you know, completely down to the ground kind of thing, but it's just not going to be as strong as what it, it, it's, it's going to be this year. So we're sort of predicting something closer to, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 megawatts um, next year and the year after rather than the 1,500 that we'll see this year. And, and then really how do things flow from there is um, that unless we see government put in place some kind of new emission reduction policy, um, the, the rooftop sector is going to um, sort of drop down again probably another level um, it's not going to keep on surging upwards in, in our view. And um, in a large scale, it's just going to collapse. So large scale investment, we, we see that basically within the space of probably the next six to 12 months, the, the, um, the commitments to new projects will just will evaporate um, because wholesale power prices are going to go down and then banks are going to look at the numbers and go, look, this is just not going to work. You know, you're not going to make any money out of the renewable energy target anymore because that that um, that market's full up, and so the, the value of that subsidy is now close to is, is is very little to nothing. And and now wholesale power prices, when it's windy and when it's sunny, uh, look uh, are going to be quite low. So these projects don't meet don't make enough money for us to be confident that we're going to get our money back. And um, and we don't want to see any more of these projects built until such time. Come back to us when another coal-fired generator shuts, and then if, and then we'll talk to you. If you've just and joined us, we're just, we're talking to Tristan Edens from Green Market about the state of renewables in Australia. Sorry, Tristan, um, I, I cut off the last bit there, but um, we've only got about ten minutes left and and sure. two thirds of our but, questions. But, but that- so that's sort of the state of where things are at. So I think we're, we're at, our, at an incredibly buoyant stage at the moment, but, but things will change and they will change quite dramatically because electricity prices are going to go down, which is a great news for consumers um, and, and it shows what renewable energy can, can, can capably deliver within a very short period of time. But we really need some new government policy to come forward that says, look, um, we know we need to decarbonise the electricity supply system. We, we now realise it's not going to be that expensive. We can see that in what we've done over the last year. We've seen you know, incredible cost reductions now. You know, you're probably looking at something between $50 to $60, maybe $65 a megawatt hour for a large wind farm or solar farm. You know, that, that's the kind of cost that um, if you can guarantee that sort of stable revenue to a, a developer, then you can, you can build new projects. Um, but it doesn't look like we've got that now with the RET being full up and, and uh, wholesale power prices all, all start going down. So mm-hmm. we, need, we need new policy. One of, one of our burning questions is about the recent article in, um, in the news stating that rooftop solar is an issue as most is generated when there's least demand and the grid won't be able to handle it. Um, can you briefly answer that one? Yeah, look, so I, I think 
in, in there is a foreseeable period in the future, and but it's still uh, still several years away where we have to deal with a situation where we've got more solar than what we can handle. Um, but it's it's not an imminent issue. Um, it's it's an issue for you know the the, the late um, 2020s. Um, if we start putting in place some policy to keep keep solar um, to keep the incentive there for people to put solar in, but as I was saying, the market will naturally equalise, where we're going to see power prices go down, and then the incentive to install further solar will 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 drop away a little bit. So that's the first thing. This is really, uh, in my view, um, a bit of scaremongering. And a bunch of people who are often lobbyists who don't really understand the underlying um, technologies mm. and aren't looking at the fundamental numbers and are just looking for something to say, oh, look, um, but you know... Te- technically, other countries are, are handling 100% renewables. Why is it even an issue? Why are we saying it's a problem? Well, look, uh, the, with, with solar PV... Um, we're reaching penetration levels in some parts of the grid that are well above 50%. In, um, you know, there'll be sections of, of Queensland, um, residential areas in Queensland, residential areas in, in South Australia, where you would have um, levels of solar PV generation during the day reach levels that are close to exceeding the, the localised demand. And people would have said, in, you know, if you'd gone and spoken to people four years ago and said, oh, you know, this is what's going to happen, they would have gone, oh, my God, the, the world will end. Mm. And, they did and, say and, that. <laughs> and it didn't. And, and it was a matter of some simple changes to the transformer settings to adjust the voltage um, so they didn't get... Um, which, which Germany had done rise. 10 years earlier. Exactly. And so this was just this was just a bunch of people who hadn't even bothered to, to look at it and understand the... This, this stuff. The other thing is we haven't exploited the full functionality that is already sitting there within solar inverters to to adjust their their performance and their behaviour in those occasional periods where we might have um, uh, very high levels of solar that might go above, um, uh, so might push voltage too high. And so we can start exploiting that that. Um, uh, functionality within those inverters to, to manage those particular issues, but at the moment, you know, we've basically got a completely dumb grid with which doesn't think that the internet came along and wasn't invented, doesn't realise that computer chips became have become really really cheap. So is this where the concept of a distributed system operator comes in, Tristan? Well, look, I think what they're, 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 they're playing catch up. And I think the Australian energy market operators said, "Oh my God, there's all this solar out there, and I don't know how to. Con- I don't. I can't control it." And that's true, but you could control it. We have the technology for you to control it, and to, and to manage it sensibly. Uh, but we just because we've been sitting there in a Tony Abbott you know, time warp, we haven't been thinking and preparing, and and making sure that we can um, capably exploit the technology that is that is there for us. So it's a matter of just putting through some technology fixes such that AEMO and other distributors can, can utilise the functionality within solar inverters. Tristan, there's been a lot of talk about pumped hydro since we flagged it a couple of years ago. And, of course, yep. we've got Malcolm Turnbull's grand scheme, the Snowy Mountain Scheme. Yep. Are there any other projects in the pipeline, so to speak, or well, being um, built? Yeah, look, I mean, we just saw uh, an announcement come out yesterday around... Um, Tasmania being able to do several thousand megawatts of, um, of pumped hydro there at a, at a reasonably modest cost. 
What's um, changed there? I mean, they've always had pumped hydro. Well, well, Tasmania hasn't had pumped hydro. They've had hydro. But so they, have they, they built any pumped hydro since? No, they, no they, haven't, they haven't built it as with a pump capability there because it just wasn't necessary. You know, they had more than enough generation capacity mm. to, to meet Tasmania's needs. And um, what, what's... Um, and, and it's only now that they've sort of said, oh, well, wait a second, you know, maybe we could, we could exploit um, pumping to, to manage the fact that we're going to possibly in the future have large amounts of solar and wind that'll... I mean, there's, there's a bit of variation that we need to manage and there's an opportunity there because the reality so is... So they could export it to the grid, the Eastern And they grid. could export it to the to the rest of Australia. Which would um, mean another BassLink. It would mean another um, uh, interconnector, um, potentially to, to fully exploit that, um, uh, plus also a lot... You could fit some more wind into Tasmania as well would be one of the major reasons for why you want to do it. Um, uh, such that you could get another interconnected because you have some excellent unexploited wind sites mm. in Tasmania. But what I think is really interesting is there's also some private sector developers that are that are coming out of the woodwork now as well that are putting forward um, some pumped hydro. And I don't think a lot of that's public just yet, but I was chatting to some people that have been involved in um, the financing of um, renewable energy projects and they were mentioning that these have sort of just started popping out of the woodwork in in several different places, and I don't think they've, they've um, quite reached the point of public announcement. But um, so that is the this, this is starting to emerge. This, this other thing, but what what I think really kind of strange about this is you've got the Tasmanian Liberal government, and you've got the federal Liberal government being some of the strongest uh, spokers of pumped hydro and saying, you know, this is fantastic stuff. We've got to proceed with it, and at the same time, though. You, you look at it and you go, the business case for these projects makes absolutely no sense mm-hmm. unless you're going to ramp up the solar and wind to levels like 50% renewables. So on one side, they're saying, oh, we think we should do all this pumped hydro. On the other side, they're saying, oh, but it'd be completely reckless for uh, us to vote in a government that would um, push in 50% renewables, which is the whole reason to make those pumped hydro projects viable. They're, they're a complete waste of time unless you're going to go to those okay. Tristan, high levels of renewables. We've got less than two minutes left, or one, one minute. Um, I actually wanted to cover both capacity factors and, and your comments on the NEG. Um, perhaps we'll take your comments on the NEG, and if you have any time, we'll do the capacity factors. Yeah, look, I think with the, with the NEG, look, I, I, I think it actually has the, the potential to be a sensible policy that could could um, help us decarbonise the electricity system. The problem is that the emission reduction target that the government put forward um, for it, this uh, 26% emission reduction, we've already achieved it with, with what's already in the pipeline, with what's already under construction yep. and contracted. Yep. Okay. Um, and very, very quickly, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about capacity factors or even ignorance that there is such a thing. Um, we talk about, say, a gigawatt of generating capacity, but... That's got to be derated by how much it actually is active, um, and yep. that varies across different things. Can you quickly tell us the typical factors for renewables and for coal? Yep. So uh, a wind farm, you're looking at somewhere between, well, an existing wind farm, it's about 30 35%. The newer wind farms that are being put in that have higher hub heights, longer blades, you're, you're looking at... Um, uh, between, uh, well, some are 35%, but we're seeing some talking about uh, achieving close to 50% capacity factors. And our ancient coal stock? 
the ancient well, uh, if you looked at Liddell or um, Liddell's running at something mm. about forty percent capacity factor. Um, okay, so they're, they're not all that different. Well, um, some some run it as high as you know the brown coal generators run at ninety percent. So. Yeah. Um, you've, but, you've got a bit of variance there, but and then solar PV, you know, your average household system, you're looking at about a 15% capacity factor. But these um, these solar farms that are going in, their um, their capacity factors are, are closer to about 30% because they have tracking and they oversize okay. relative to the inverter. We're, we're way over time. Thanks heaps, Tristan, for this. Um, we no obviously worries. need a bigger session. Okay, great. No worries. Um, See you later. We've been speaking to Tristan Eaters about the state of renewables throughout Australia. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by climate solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others, go to bze.org.au and click on podcasts. And if you can donate to help cover airtime costs, please go to the BZE site and click the donate button. Thanks for listening. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.